You know, we've been in this series that uh, we've kind of been in all summer, and this particular series is called Surrendered, and we're studying the book of James. Before that, we did the book of First Peter, right? And then before that, we did the book of First John, and First John and First Peter and James are really significant letters in the New Testament, and we studied that all summer. And the reason we've been doing that is because the, um, the idea of John the apostle, the ideas of Peter the apostle, the disciple, and James, the half-brother of Jesus. These are three of the most, I guess I would say, the, the closest and most intimate relationships that Jesus had. And uh, these letters are written from that context. And, and the reason we're studying those three letters is because we are on a mission at One Chapel to not just be the kind of Christians who come to church or vote the way we think that politics leads us to vote. You know, most people think that Christianity is now a, uh, a, a, a right-wing kind of political action force. Nothing could be worse for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're on the other side of the, of the aisle, the, the Christianity sometimes becomes this left-wing social justice action and it gets removed and separated from the gospel. Well, everybody started listening suddenly. I started talking about politics, and everybody's like, oh. Listen, we are called to be involved in our culture, but we must be involved in our culture from the right perspective and from the right motivation, and that motivation is the motivation of following Jesus and his ways. That's what the way is on Wednesday nights. It's learning how to practice the ways of Jesus together at one chapel. And that, that, that is what we're doing. That's what the kind of the journey we've been on for a couple of years is, is drilling down and saying, okay, Jesus, show me what it's like to be a disciple. Show me what it's like to pattern my life after you. Show me what it's like to practice your ways in my life. And all of us need practice. Why do we need practice? because a bunch of you ain't very good at it. It takes practice. We gotta, you gotta practice. What, practice, are we talking about practice? Yes, we're talking about practicing. And so we all have to do that together and it's really a powerful thing. I want you to stand with me and I want you to kind of as a, a way of respecting the word of God, let's read it together. And I'm gonna have you read it out loud. We're gonna put it on the screen. and. Uh, as we enter into this moment of letting the word speak to us and, and, and letting our hearts be changed, I want, you to, I want you to get it deep into you. I want you to let go of everything you've been kind of thinking about, even in this service, and I wanna, I wanna dive in. Come on, let's say it together from verse one. Read it together. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. 
Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who we have made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Turn your name, say good job. You can be seated. Recently, I've realized, you know, whatever you preach on, you're going to be tested on. And so I need to choose carefully what we talk about in here. But I've noticed that there's a a tendency that comes up in my life sometimes, and it is a, a, a tendency towards just irritation. Have you ever had this? You're driving down the street, and some guy just... He won't, he won't speed up, and he's in the left lane. I just, you know what, so my go-to word for those people is idiot. <laughs> idiot. Recently, another word has come into my vocabulary, and I've found myself using it from time to time, and I don't know where it came from, but I've found myself, when people are irritating me, or, or, I, or I, I, ha- I make a, what I would call a judgment about a person, um, and I don't know where it came from exactly, but the term is, that guy's a whack job. <laughs> She's a whack job. She's crazy. I have been really convicted by these things as I'm going through the book of James. And I think it's important for us to see what James is talking about. He's identifying this part of our body, this part of our anatomy anatomy that can have an incredible power and force over our lives and over the lives of others. The truth is your tongue, that's the word he used, the tongue has an incredible power and it's a huge area for most of us because most of us love to talk. Most of us should talk less, but we love to talk. If you're a man in the room, you tend to to speak somewhere, you say uh, an amount of words every day, it's about 7,000 words a day on average is what they think. If you're a woman, it's more likely closer to 20,000 words a day and that has never been a problem for any marriage that I know of. (laughs) I heard of one guy, he said, he was asked, do you resent the fact that your wife has to have the last word? He said, no, I... I don't think so. I, I'm just glad when she finally gets to it. So it's like, <laughs> oof. 
Listen, there's a lot of talking going on in our culture. There's a lot of talking, a lot of channels for talking about things, talking about people, making judgments about people, articulating ideas about people. Here's what I want you to, to realize. Your power, the power that you wield, that comes through your mouth, the power of words can either lift people up or it can tear people down. It can lift you up or tear you down. It is a force to be reckoned with and very often, I don't care who you are, you have not learned to completely tame your tongue. The Bible says it's almost impossible for humans to tame it. You gotta have something else happening in your life to get your tongue under control. And we're gonna look at what that is. But, but here, we, get, we just get into trouble so often. Most of us end up putting our foot in our mouths routinely. There's a story about a grocery store stock boy, and he was, you know, a lady asked him in one of the aisles, she said, can I, can I buy a half a head of lettuce? And he walked back to the manager to ask him, uh, not realizing that she was following him, walking right behind him. And she goes in and he says, he said, you're not going to believe this. There's an old hag out here who wants to buy a half a head of lettuce. And suddenly had that feeling like she's right behind me, isn't she? He turned around and saw her standing there and he said, and this lady would like to buy the other half. Listen, it's our mouths that get us into a lot of trouble. So let's get three reasons that James outlines that are so important to master your mouth. All right, number one, my tongue directs where I go. My tongue directs where I head, what direction my life is going. The truth is your tongue has a tremendous influence and control over your life. And James makes two analogies here. What are they? They are about a bit in a horse's mouth and about a ship. And so um, the first he relates to a tongue, the tongue in a, as a bit in the horse's mouth. This is me on a horse. I have not really been the kind of guy that rides horses. This is really embarrassing because in this picture, there's the steps. Um, it's really sad. But horses, horses are scary. They're like, they're big, massive animals. They're so, so, they have so much weight and so much force, so much power. It's incredible. And you, and, and I, I, people have to learn how to do the reins. And the reins are connected to the bit. And the horse has to be trained. But when a trained horse, when you end up riding a trained and broken horse where they use a bit, what happens is all you have to do is move it a little bit and the horse moves exactly where you want it to go. It's really an amazing, amazing thing. This is the analogy that James gives us about how your tongue is so powerful in your life. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's power in your tongue. A little word, a phrase can influence the direction of your life. It's especially true because most people say a lot of words in their head and those words end up coming out their mouth and they end up being sort of prophetic in a way and you end up moving wherever your mouth is headed. The second analogy is that, that he makes here about the tongue is like a rudder on a ship. 
Verse four says, or take ships as an example. They're so large and are driven by strong winds, but they're steered, everybody say steered, by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. I was born in Long Beach, California. In Long Beach, California, there's a big ship there that's docked. It's called the Queen Mary. I've been on it. It's an amazing, massive ship. It was built in 1930, uh, had its first voyage in 36, and it's, it's, it's now retired, but it's a really uh, wonderful look into days gone by. But <laughs> the amazing thing about ships are they are humongous, there's huge under the water, huge above the water, and, and there's, a, there's an incredible thing about the Queen Mary. It's um, three acres of relational, or sorry, recreational space. Three acres of recreational space on this ship, and the anchor equal, is equal to the weight of 10 cars. All right, usually, an, uh, usually a rudder is one one-hundredth. Everybody say one one-hundredth. It's one one-hundredth of the size of the ship. And it's so small, and even in the midst of wind and waves, if that rudder is turning, that ship is gonna turn. James says our tongue is like that rudder. I, I, I think uh, the word steered is really important. Your tongue is the steering wheel of your life, and you gotta settle that. If you don't like where you're headed right now, change the way you talk. The second thing James uh, highlights is my tongue can destroy what I have. My tongue can destroy what I have. Verse five says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. James is saying that our tongues are like a spark, a tiny little spark that can start a huge wildfire. The devastation of wildfires in Hawaii, we've kind of been watching that in, on the island of Maui and the town that's just been decimated. It's just heartbreaking to see it, but it happened fast it happened almost instantly as it, as it went out of control. And that's what careless words are like. Careless words do things that you don't intend. Careless words begin to have an effect in ways that you didn't imagine. Careless words begin to start fires that you regret later. And I wonder how many people, because of a careless word, have destroyed their marriage. How many people have destroyed their career or their reputation or the reputation of another person or their church or a friendship? This is what James is highlighting. Proverbs 18, 20 says, you have to live with the consequences of everything you say. The words you and I speak can set up a destructive chain reaction or they can lift people up and heal their wounds. You guys, we have to figure this out. The third thing James points out is, my tongue displays who I am. It shows everybody who I am. What, in other words, what comes out of my mouth reveals my character. It reveals who I am inside. It tells everyone what's inside of me. And James says this is evident by how inconsistent we are with our talk, with our speech, how we say these bad things and then we say these good things. Verse nine and 10 says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. I wanna suggest to you the highest use of your mouth, the highest use of your mouth is the worship of God, the creator of all things. 
the Savior, the Deliverer, the Lord of heaven and earth. That's the highest use, to worship him and to let your words reflect him. And think about it, how, how easy it is to come in here and sing the songs we've been singing and worship God with our mouths and then go out to lunch and start talking bad about somebody. About somebody who's driving us crazy. About some, some person we have a, a beef with. Or about how lousy the pastor was that day. It happens. It's amazing how quickly these things can change. Jesus says the reason we struggle so much with an inconsistent tongue is because of what's going on deep inside of us. Verse 11 and 12 says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? The answer is no, it's a rhetorical question. He says, neither can salt salt spring produce fresh water. The point James is making is whatever's in the well will come out in the water. My problem is not really my tongue. Your problem is not really your tongue. It's just the rudder, it's just the bit. My problem is my heart. Your problem is what's going on inside of you. That's what will come out of us. My mouth eventually betrays what's really in there. And so I can fool and I can pretend and I can, you know, I can, I can put on a performance, but ultimately my tongue's gonna catch me. Have you heard someone say this excuse? Uh, someone says something really mean or hurtful to somebody and they say, suddenly they say, I don't know what got into me. I don't know, that's so unlike me. That's, so, I don't, that's not really who I am at all. James would say, James is trying to make the point, actually it is. It's exactly like you, or else it wouldn't have come out. And you gotta, you gotta settle what's happening inside. It's a natural law. What comes out of the well is what's inside of it. Jesus said these beautiful words in Matthew 12. He said, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. My tongue just displays who I am because we don't have necessarily a tongue problem. It has to be controlled, but the thing that has to be fixed is your heart. The thing that has to be renewed and regenerated and and changed is your heart because if I have a heart problem, right? I have a heart problem. A person with a harsh tongue has a angry heart, right? Person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a boasting tongue has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person with a, who is critical, has a critical tongue about everything and everybody, has a bitter heart. And so what's the solution, you guys? What's the solution? Good news for you. The solution is in the same chapter. If you're following me with the message notes or you can, you can follow along or you can look at it in the scripture, I'll put it up here. Look at what he says in verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Notice what 14 says. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. 
Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Whoa, I didn't know it was that bad. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom, so let's pause right here. All you have to do is look around the culture we live in. It's blaring on the radio. It's blaring through podcasts. It's blaring in your neighborhood. It is this sense of bitterness and anger about what other people are doing or angry about where you're trapped or stuck. Angry, upset, unsettled, irritated, fearful. It's out there. You see it. It's on display. Listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing you've got to get. This is the crux of the message right here. You and I are not called to participate in that. We're not called for our, for our, our lives to represent fear or irritation or anger or unsettledness or insecurity. You and I are called to be secure in who Jesus is and what he's doing in our lives. You and I are called to be settled in the, in the idea that Christ is the firm foundation and regardless of what's shaking around me, no matter what's happening in my marriage or in my job or in my finances, I look to God as the one who is going to sustain me. You guys, so much, so much of what we end up saying is drawn out by these things that are unsettled in our hearts and Jesus wants you to, he wants you to have a heart change. He wants you to see what's really in there, admit it, and let it go. Verse 17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, look what the words are, look how it describes it, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Oh, a bunch of you want to scratch that one out. Just, I don't, I don't, I don't. Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and, in, and, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So what do you got to do? Here's three things. Ready? Are you with me? You got to get a new heart. Well, Pastor Ross, I, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was five, and I, you know, I, I got a new... Listen. Life is really hard on us. Difficult things happen. The truth is, you have to get up every day and let Jesus soften your heart from all the stuff that happened yesterday. You gotta lay your head down on your pillow and forgive and let God heal you for the wounded things that happened to you today. You gotta, there's got to be this commitment to a soft and sensitive heart. Ezekiel 18, 31, it's an Old Testament passage, but it says, rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. This is what Jesus is all about. This is what Jesus does. This is how the Holy Spirit works in you. See, I can change the outside. I can turn over a new leaf. I can, but what I really need is a heart that is molded and shaped by God. C.S. Lewis is the brilliant theologian and 
apologist and author, he, has, he talks about an interplay between science and magic and faith, right? Science and magic and faith. And when you think about it, science seems like the unique idea out of the three. It's not. In actuality, it's faith that is unique because science and magic are all about dealing with the outside world, right? Faith is about what happens on the inside of a person. And it's the only thing. Science deals with manipulating external forces or, re, or viewing them or understanding them. Magic can external, uh, manipulate external forces. That's all it can do. But there is only one way to change the human heart, and that is faith. And that faith, only God can reach down and transform you from the inside out, which is why we need to cry out to God like David did and say, create in me a clean heart, God. Create in me a clean heart, God. That's the only way you begin to master your mouth. You give your heart to Jesus every day. And, and this is really what Jesus said when he said, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross and follow. That means you got to lay everything down. You got to lay it all out before God. You got to let him do his work on the inside. The second thing James says is ask God for wisdom or help every day. You, you and I have to get up and say, God, help me with my mouth. Help me with my mouth. Help me with what's going on in my heart. Listen, some of you, you don't really know what's going on in your heart because you're not spending enough time talking to Jesus about it or talking to a friend about it. And you're all locked up. You're all isolated. You got a lot of thoughts and a lot of stuff going on in the inside. But you don't have a, you don't have a, a, a person to to talk to about these things. And so much of our time, uh, so much of our, in our time, what people do is they end up going to a counselor to try to work all that stuff out, which is fine. I am totally in favor of counseling. I've been to therapy, I believe in it. But I also believe there are some practices within our faith that allow us to process what is happening in our lives in a way that makes us healthy in community. And that has to do with the scriptures, it has to do with the work of God's spirit, it has to do with being in community and um, with friends who are walking with you and you're talking about what's going on in your life. This is so pivotal. Psalm 141, you gotta, you gotta ask God every day for help. Here's how David said it, he said, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. It's a great verse to, to memorize. He's saying, God, put a muzzle over my mouth. Guard my lips. Help me not to be critical today. Help me not to think so critically and judgmental of everything that's going on around you. See, every day we need to ask God for help because it's, we need his power to do this. Getting into the scripture, getting into community, because what goes into your mind goes into your heart, and what goes into your heart comes out of your mouth. That's how the scriptures teach it. And if you've never thought about this before, there's this real cool thing that I've, I really believe in. It's called the daily Bible reading. Like every day, just sitting down at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day or both, and just letting your, letting your heart and mind get God's words in you. Some of you guys, you just... You're, you're stuck, you're trapped because you're, sp you're not spending any time changing the heart and changing the mind. The amount of time you spend with Jesus or on the word is minimal compared to 
spending all your time on fantasy football. <laughs> fantasy football, drafting players, checking the scores, getting mad at the TV every Sunday. Some of you, that's how your life revolves around that. Listen, I don't have anything against fantasy football. I could never do it myself because I just don't get it. It takes so much time and energy. I mean, you've got to be committed. You're like, you, can, you can barely be married and have a fantasy football league. <laughs> it's crazy. Sometimes you, listen, but, but the problem is, but the problem is, think about the ratio of amount of time you're, cha- you're, do, you're using and allowing God to do something in you. The amount of time you spend at church, the amount of time you spend with a small group, the amount of time you spend in prayer, the amount of time you spend, it's, it's just, it's really a ratio problem. What's influencing you? Spending all your time thinking about all the stuff you gotta do at work. No wonder you're so stressed. Spending all your time watching cable news and talking about politics. No wonder you're so angry. Spending all your time watching horror flicks or chick flicks or Netflix, any kind of flicks. You're trying to escape reality. Ask God for help every day. Third thing, man, you can come up. Think before you speak. Think before you speak. James 1.19, this is in the first part of James's letter. He says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, I want to unpack this. Notice it says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to become angry, which means if you're quick to listen, now, now follow me, follow me on this, okay? If you're quick to listen, you'll be slower to speak. If you're slower to speak, then you will be slower to come become angry. I know, it's brilliant. <laughs> Stay with me. It's deep. I know it's super deep here. So if you have a problem with anger, you need to work on being quicker to listen. The result is you'll be slower to speak, slower to become angry. Here's how it works. Your brain can't catch up to your mouth. <laughs> your brain's too slow. Your brain... You say things before you think. That's true. Everybody has been guilty of that. Your brain is too slow. Your heart, though, your heart can spill right out of your mouth. But your brain, it's slow. So when you slow down, you think more clearly. That's why we have been on a mission here at One Chapel to slow our lives down a little bit more to a pace that is doable in walking with Jesus. And your mouth will, if, you're, if you'll be a quick listener, you'll automatically become a slow talker. And then your brain will catch up and convince you that you really shouldn't say that. So two questions before we worship together. And I want the prayer team to come up and staff and prayer team come up to the front here. We're gonna spend some time just kind of ruminating about this and because all of us have this battle. There isn't anybody in this room that doesn't deal with what James just talked about. Two questions I want you to think about. What does your tongue say about you? What do the words you use say about you? What, is it, what do they reveal about you? If we were to play back a tape of, of every conversation you've had during this last week, would you be Happy about that or sad? What would it reveal? God hears it all. And the tongue displays really who we are. And then number two, second question, 
What direction is your heart leading you? What direction is your tongue leading you? Some people say, I'm just sick all the time. I can never do it right. Things are just so tough all the time. And listen, times are tough. Bad things do happen here. Life is difficult. There's no doubt about that. But our tongues begin to control our life like a rudder. And whatever we say has an impact on us and others. And what's in our heart is going to come out of our mouth. So let Jesus' hand be on your bit, on your rudder, the rudder of your life, and let him begin to direct you. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness today. Maybe you need to go to your kids and say, I'm so sorry, I've been so inconsistent the way I talk to you. Maybe you need to talk to your spouse and say, I'm so sorry. Sometimes I'm loving, sometimes I'm harsh, sometimes I just, I say, I say these mean things. Some, some of you might even need to apologize to the people at work that hear you jabbering all day long <laughs> and what you've been saying. Listen, we're all, we're all human. There's a powerful thing that happens when you apologize and ask someone for forgiveness. It changes your heart. That came from Jesus. He did that with us. Every one of us need this today. Before we worship, I just want to highlight to you this tombstone. The picture, the tombstone is Arabella Young, and it's a famous tombstone. It says, beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who, want, who on the 24th of May, began to hold her tongue. (laughs) I hope it doesn't take you that long. I hope you don't have to die before you let Jesus get a hold of you. And some of you, you need healing in your marriage, you need healing in relationships, you need healing in your own soul, because in your your own mind, And, and, and Jesus has that for you today. And so I want you just to stand up and let's worship together a little bit. And maybe all of you just hold your hands out. If you wanna let go of some things you've held on to, you wanna receive what Jesus is doing today. Father, we thank you. The words are kind of the signal, the symptom the issue is way deeper. We ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for uh, the way we've used our words, the way we've spoken to people, the way we've allowed anger to drive us and move us. Forgive us, Lord, for how we have mistreated the people around us. Forgive us for how we have said such negative things about ourselves that becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Forgive us for these things and help us change us on the inside. Do something today that we've needed for a while. A new heart, a new start. 
I pray that you'd help us to reflect who Jesus is, the one who spoke peace to the wind and the waves, the one who lifted people, the one who spoke life. Lord, speak life into us today and help us to be the bearers of this life and this peace as we speak it out into the lives of others. Change us today. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Let's worship together. If you need prayer, the prayer team's up here. There's communion elements in the back of your seat if you wanna take communion during this time. Let's worship.